Welcome back to this week's episode. This is your ghost of a host of the most, Shanna. Hello. Bonjour. <laughs> did, you say, did you just say hello? Nope, I said hello. <laughs> Who are you? Pacwa PJ. That's correct. All right. Welcome, honey. I would have said the name of the worm from Labyrinth, but he doesn't have a name. He's just the worm. He's just a worm, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is our one-year anniversary. <sighs> if only marriage was as easy as this. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> did you know that on Facebook today, all those years ago, we were getting congratulations on our engagement? Yep. So I know-ish when we got engaged because <laughs> Facebook says congratulations. <laughs> I'm terrible. All right, anyway, I just want to say to everybody out there, Special thanks to everyone, because there are so many countries and listeners out there. It's humbling to see all the countries that pop up. Almost the entire world is blue. makes me happy. Um, (laughs) I actually had some new countries pop up from last time I looked to now. I was like, well, hello, Nigeria. How are you? Well, I love how, like, some people listen to, like, Penhurst Part 2, but not Part (laughs) 1. It's it's interesting when you look at all the, the, the... Insights, I guess it's called an ACAST. Yeah. But anyway, special thanks to everybody for making this happen. Um, I did not see a year ago this being a no, thing. No, I mean, <laughs> we, we hoped to, like, get followers, you know, and everything and get subscribers slowly and everything, but we're growing a lot faster than yeah. we anticipated, and we couldn't be more grateful. Well, and again, like, Wellhouse wasn't supposed to be its own podcast. Yeah. I saw it as, like, a, a really quick serial piece to tell, like, our ghost stories, and that was it, just so people could meet the people behind the mask for mm-hmm. a Games Overboard. Yeah. So it's crazy that uh, Wellhouse Exorcism is doing so phenomenally well. Um, also, because Wellhouse is doing so well, and <laughs> I would like to do a special giveaway for only Wellhouse fans. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because um, we're gonna hit what is it, 10k now? Yeah, we're gonna hit 10k. Yeah, in the next the next week or yeah. two. For well, those confused about why we had a 10k giveaway like a month ago, that was for like the entirety yeah. of the Games Overboard family, but now. Wellhouse itself is going to hit 10k. It's I think crazy. I think we did hit 10k. No, no I checked yet? this morning. Oh, I could check so right close. now if you want me to. But yeah, we are very close. Um, yeah. So again, like it's that's how fast it's growing. Just like knowing that just a month and a half ago we did 10k for our three platforms because Acast does the numbers all together for Games Reward, Danger and Dice, and Wellhouse. But now Wellhouse is like super super popular so thank you everyone and so i'll be doing a giveaway only for wellhouse exorcism it has a lot of good stuff on its way so you'll get some great posters one well one says no trespassing we're tired of hiding the bodies there's a door <laughs> hanger that has um basically a wiccan cat and it says check ya um is it check ya energy at the door and it's like you know making jokes about you know being sassy because it's a cat um, there's just some lo- lots of goofy stuff. There's a wallet that says it's a good day or have a good die. And it's just the, uh, it's a Grim Reaper on the wallet. So I think you'll enjoy all the cutesy stuff that's coming the way for the giveaway. Um, so in the coming weeks, watch our games overboard Facebook page and you'll see a picture for that comment on it. And, uh, you'll be in a chance to win 356 more listens is oh, all we boy. need. Look at you doing math. Well, then we'll hit it this time. This week. <laughs> this crazy. week we're going to hit it. It's amazing. Like, I'm only people downloading this for us. And now yeah. it's And crazy. I know, like, that's still small numbers, but honestly, we didn't think we would be this far ahead. We're you not know? monetizing and or anything. This is just no, a we're, Yeah, fun. we're not close to monetizing yet. So share the word, everyone, about us. Like, yeah, help us grow. I'd like to retire. Anyway, <laughs> so at our one-year anniversary, I'd like to do a special thanks to everyone who got us here. First off, my super best friend, Kevin Paul. Um, Haunted Hills and Hollows Parts 1 and 2. Thank mm-hmm. you for your interview and for talking to us constantly. Really appreciate all our Facebook messages back and forth. Can't wait to meet you. Yes. Uh, next, thanks to Paris Sabrina Beakley. The book Haunted Freedom is out. You can buy it on blurb.com. Thank you to the Full Sends Reject podcast members for just being <laughs> constantly messaging us and like talking to Yeah, we to love us. your feedback and yeah. everything. We love chatting with you. <laughs> and we can't do- wait to do a crossover episode. 
Next, I want to say thank you to Craven and Castor. They're a fantastic store in Blakely, PA. You should visit their website at cravenandcaster.com for some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Next, I want to say thanks to Maggie's Casket LLC. She does amazing pants up events. Um, Check out our Facebook page for my <laughs> marvelous painting. <laughs> Your beanie boop cat. <laughs> and um, she also makes some really cool artwork. So you should check her out on etsy.com slash shop slash Maggie's Casket. And then finally, I want to thank all my listeners out there, um, our, just our devout followers who email us and Facebook us every week. We really appreciate your input. We love talking to you. We want to hear from more of you. Yes. And as you've already heard, if you talk to us, you're going to get on the podcast. Yeah. So. Or at the very least, you'll hear from us pretty shortly after you message yep. us. So if, I mean, Facebook is the fastest if you want to talk to me, like, I just go ahead and send us, and again, it's Games Overboard. We are just a subsidiary of our major website, our major podcast. Um, so, but thank you everyone for making this year awesome. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And of course, thanks to family, Laura and Ray for being there literally since the beginning. <laughs> literally. Uh, thanks to Kyle for all your random comments out there. Thanks to Dan and to Jack for being on here. It's just been a fun year. We have more really stuff has. planned. So um, this week we are going to talk about the Elvira bunkers. We've been tossing it around and saying we're going to do it. And we kept trying to get Tim on, but we've just been ha- – well, we, we're we adults. Life. It's life. Life gets in the way. <laughs> and Tim was supposed to be here to record and life for Tim too. So. Tim, you're with us in spirit, man. Yeah, you mentioned your problems, Tim. Um Nothing like having our plumber here like three times in one week because he couldn't fix our sink without having to cut all the wood out from underneath our sink. So we feel you, Tim. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> I was washing dishes in the bathtub. So Twice. Yeah, we're we're there. We got you, Tim. So uh, sorry, Tim, you couldn't be here. This was Tim's idea to do the Alvira Bunkers. So really excited to do this really for him. Yeah. So our references this week are Alvira and the Ordinance, an American Dream Denied. By the Montgomery Area Historical Society. Valley Village of Casualty of World War II by Tricia Klein and Justin Klein. Movie Review, Surrender, comes to DVD by Joseph W. Smith III. Alive Forever, Alvira Exiles Critique Documentary by Carisones, Shetler. And then Historian, Radioactive Waste was Stored in Ordnance Works in Lycoming County during World War II by John Bouge. And again, thanks to Penny for letting us borrow, actually Penny's mom, for letting us borrow all of those other references in there because it was kind of cool to read actual books. My references are uh, some of my students who have been to the bunkers. Actually, like most of my students have been to the bunkers. And my friend, and I believe he listens to the show. I know he comments on our Facebook post a lot. Brian. Our best friend, Brian. Who visits the bunkers quite often. Brian, if you're listening. <laughs> he said he'd take us there and, like, take us on a tour. Well, we should. Yeah. Uh, Sabrina had her own story about the bunkers. <laughs> so No, yeah, <laughs> listen to our uh, Sabrina Beakley <laughs> interview for a great bunker story there. Not really so scary as it's just kind of It's funny. fantastic. <laughs> no, my students say, don't go there after dark. I believe that. Yeah. Um, and you should be careful where you go in there because of nuclear waste. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful. I don't care what they say. So you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Get bunked up, so to speak. Yep. You're, I'm trying to do a dad joke. Are we going to debunk anything? There we go. Thank you. I'm not a dad joke person, so the best I got is bunking up. So, all right. Anyway, <laughs> in case you weren't sure, people out there, especially if you're from one of yeah, my like listeners, n- like New most Zealand, Most of our listeners have Australia, no idea what we're talking about. Everybody except right here in our area. Alvira was a casualty of World War II. It is a local area. Mm-hmm. And it no longer exists. Teeny tiny town. It is now a ghost town with cemeteries and bunkers where this podcast Several, gets its name. Lots of them. <laughs> Several dozen bunkers. All right. The bombing of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941 sent America into World War II. We already know that. But it also caused issues on our home front. By the end of that month and into January, Elvira was already being chosen quietly as the place the government wanted However, the residents of the area did not know exactly what the government wanted. They only knew that the government surveyors were all around the valley. By February of 1942, the U.S. government decided building a war munitions factory would be a great idea. 
Fabulous. During a meeting in March, the government officials announced they were taking the village of Alvira and the surrounding White Deer Valley as the new land for the factory. In total, it would take over nearly 8,000 acres of land. No matter how the townspeople complained, they could not fight the government. Either the families could accept the 30 cents on the dollar for their land, or they could be forcibly evicted from their houses by eminent domain. Regardless, the government would take the land. The officials present promised that every care would be taken not to destroy the dwellings, and cemeteries would remain untouched. The government also promised that families would be able to reclaim their land for the same price they were paid when they were done. However, none of that ever happened. Figures. Who's, who's surprised? <laughs> Surprise! Can you imagine, like, yeah, I'm just hanging out one day and then government's like, hey, I want this land to build a munitions factory. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Like, that's literally what happened. Like, we just have bombing Pearl Harbor, and now guess what? We're taking all of this, and it's ours. I had, anyway. So, in total, approximately 155 houses, churches, schools, and other buildings were simply burned to the ground, bulldozed, or dynamited. More than 400 people were displaced in about six weeks. The area was chosen because it was mostly an open area, and it was close to a much-needed water supply. Not gonna lie, that's, like, one great perk, though. Dynamiting house. Like, guys, can we dynamite this one, too? How about how about the next one? <laughs> Let's just have can fun. we just dynamite all of them, please? <laughs> Let's watch it blow up. Whoa! <laughs> Par- it's, hard. it's someone's house, PJ. I'm saying it's a perk, at least. Like, <laughs> some silver lining to this. Somebody gets to have fun blowing up a house? Um, absolutely. You're such a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, especially when you're told, like, yeah, we'll keep the house safe and you can buy it back from us afterward. And then the minute you walk out of the house, kaboom! Like, what the heck? <laughs> like, as as the people are moving out, don't worry, you'll get it back in a month. Why is he laying dynamite down? <laughs> don't worry about that. He's fine. Jerry! Why are you laying it now? Ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, according to a woman named Loretta Ryder, and this is a quote, Government orders were specific. We weren't allowed to take light bulbs or fixtures installed just a couple months earlier when electricity became available. We sold our stove, uh, but the buyer wasn't able to get there before we left on Thursday, so for later pickup, it was put in the yard. On Saturday, when we returned to see if the stove was gone, men were already tearing down the house, discarding and smashing fixtures and bulbs. We'd We'd brought along a shovel to remove a favorite bush and were told we couldn't do that. When my father asked to remove just the start of it, he was again told no, and if they found out he'd done so, he'd be arrested and fined. And it's like, you just had electricity put in, because it's the, you know, the 1940s, and they said, no, you can't take light bulbs, you can't take fixtures. Okay, but then you're going to- they just smash it. Destroy them, yeah. And you're going to bulldoze the house, but no, you can't take the rose bush? Like, I don't understand Some the government. Weird rules. I, I will never understand- Drives me nuts. Some of the things that they decide. <sighs> And, like, back then, electricity, all those light bulbs would have been so stinking expensive, you know? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Anyway. So, a year later. So, by February ni- 1943, the Pennsylvania Ordinance Works, also called the POW, which I don't appreciate, by the way, because it's yeah. a whole different thing. Yeah, right. That's yeah. not good. Was now built, and it began working. It was run by about 3,500 workers daily. It was a $50 million complex, and it had 55 miles of roads, 17 miles of railroad track, a hospital, a fire department a bus system, and numerous bunkers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, there they are. The bunkers everyone talks about are underground and camouflaged to hide the TNT they were designed to hold. Originally, there were 150 bunkers that were each 44 feet in diameter. They are round on the inside and were actually called igloos, not bunkers back then. They are meant to store, this is crazy, by the way, 250,000 tons of TNT. Jeez. Yeah. The plant produced 180 tons of TNT every 24 hours. And so. that's how they got rid of the houses. <laughs> Just practice runs. Practice <laughs> runs. Now, of course, um, they made them camouflaged on top of so no one would fly past and blow it yeah. up because you want to keep it hidden. Uh, but anyway, 11 months after. So we're talking less than a year after production starts. The PA ordinance works was suddenly closed. Like anything governmental. <laughs> there was the realization that TNT was... <gasps> outdated whoa i know atomic or nuclear weapons would win the war and all future wars the government left the mess behind never selling the land back to residents land and water studies have shown that there is widespread soil and water contamination therefore 
no one can safely live there. According to information gathered from the Freedom of Information Act, Stephen Martha Huddy, creators of the movie Surrender, found that the site was later used to store many tons of radioactive waste from the Manhattan Project. However, the request for more information was denied, so they couldn't know for sure. That was in 2009, when the Historical Society created its pamphlet. Now, I personally have done more research, and since then, more information has been brought to light. According to PenLive.com in 2013, Steve Huddy gained more paperwork, and the truth is harrowing. During World War II, the Pennsylvania Works was used to store radioactive material from the Manhattan Project. Under top-secret conditions, 50 tons of uranium metal turnings were stored in sealed drums Yikes. and placed in four igloos. None of the workers at the Pennsylvania Works or the public knew about this. The reason it was sent there, of course, was because of the connection between two officers who had worked there before going to help with the Manhattan Project. While there are some discrepancies between what the government states versus the people of Elvira, the most consistent comment is that, at the meeting in the church, the promise was made that the families would be able to buy the land back. So people see all of this as a betrayal of the government. Yep. You can't buy it back if it's covered with radioactive waste. So, so far, honey, how you feeling? I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised, but I am surprised. Yeah. And I have more later about the uh, four igloos used for the Manhattan Project nuclear waste mm -hmm. because there have been lots of studies that have been done. Like, where can you go? And people go for walks through there for crying out loud and they oh, go yeah. and they go into oh, the yeah. bunkers. So are you going into one of the ones that's bad for you? Well, I have an opinion as to where they are. Well, many of them are sealed shut, too. Mm -hmm. There are only a couple that are, like, open and available. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, do you want to talk about Carl Jarrett? Let's do it. Go ahead. A former resident named Carl Jarrett told his story in one of the articles stating that he remembered the promise made. He was in his 20s when everything happened. His house was actually outside the ordinance, and therefore, it was never burned down or demolished. However, when he came back from the war, he served in the Air Force, uh, he was told that he could not move back there. When he went to his local congressman for help, the response he got was, Young man, you don't realize the government lies a lot. Just forget it. Yeah, love it. Hey, don't you realize the government lies? Like, like thanks, for, thanks for the help? Oh, man. Um, uh, and once again... Not surprised. <laughs> it's the government. I mean, back then, I guess people were maybe more naive, but... Well, and what's uh. interesting is I actually teach um, one of his uh, grand great-grandchildren. Yeah. Um, so I I actually have... I heard the story before I even did the, bun like, but did the research into the bunkers, but I know the whole family. And that house, again, was outside of where the ordinance was, but they're not allowed to have it. And so the, the question is, why... Is there a nuclear issue that we need to know about? Like, why can't we have this house? So, I don't know. I think the government's just stupid. They have all kinds of dumb rules. It's too much work. They have so many stupid rules. Well, after all of this. You know, like, baby car seats have expiration dates. Yeah, because obviously it's going to start, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's degrading. It's going to go bad. It's going to start After molding. three years. <laughs> Although the babies, like, puke on things. They probably would start molding anyway. <laughs> Um, now, added to, like, the whole thing with the nuclear stuff and Carl Jarrett, there was a discussion in the 1950s about what they should use the area for because they have dumped all this money into it, and now it's just sitting there. One idea was to turn it into a new atomic research facility, since that was obviously the newest mm -hmm. and best weapon created. And two of the officers uh, at the Pennsylvania Ordnance Works actually went on to be major players in the Manhattan Project. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, that did not happen because we've seen what happens with nuclear stuff near Pennsylvania, anyway, Thermal Island. Yeah, right. However, after the surprise of learned nuclear waste was being stored in the igloos, the Department of Environmental Protection did a scan to see if there was any radioactivity. They say there is none in the area, nor in two of the igloos identified as two of the four that were used to store the metal. However, the other two igloos sit on the Bureau of Prisons land, and they did not permit mm. scans of their igloos because after the land was cut apart, they turned part of the POW into a prison system because they had everything built there and it would be a perfect yeah, prison system. Yeah, the bunkers lie adjacent to 
Well, they, they a large correctional facility. Yeah, well, they took the land and they turned it into that because yeah. there are the walls built, you yeah. know. But I'm just saying currently, yeah. like the bunkers are right there. So two of the igloos are on that land and they denied letting the Department of Environmental Protection come in and do any scans. I find that quite suspicious. <laughs> but the prisoners with them. Exactly. I think that's like, they're like, I don't care. It's the prisoners. Because if there's nuclear waste in the prison, there's going to be a whole different slew of, is- a slew of issues. So Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, another plan, ironically, was to make this site the first site of the United Nations headquarters. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, another plan, which is just horrifying to me, was to turn the area into a detainment camp of American citizens, including children born of Japanese parents who were suspected of attempting to undermine the oh. American government. Yeah. We didn't call them concentration camps. We called them internment camps. That's a better word. On September 12, 1950, the Senate passed the McCarran International Security Act, Title II, which authorized the Attorney General to apprehend, quote, all persons as to whom there is reasonable ground to believe that such person probably will engage in or probably will conspire with others to engage in acts of espionage and sabotage. It's a lot of probable and possible, but not actual in there. We had that back at the end of... Um, Obama's presidency. He mm-hmm. had a lot of uh, indefinitely detaining people for probable yeah. causes and things like that. And I know that we need to do it for like our for the safety of the government, like for, for the United States. I get it, but then you listen to like Leonard Nimoy's stories and stuff, and it's like, mm-hmm. are we doing? Are we doing this right? Yeah, I mean, there, there's got to be a better way to do that yeah. than just to just research, man, research. <laughs> I can do research. But anyway, by 1952, there was an order to create six detention camps, and one of the facilities would be in Allenwood, PA, at the Pennsylvania Ordnance Works site, now a minimum security prison camp, like I said. Mm -hmm. Within two weeks, there was a declaration that there were 50,000 communists ready to overthrow the government. There had already been a list created of communists, or simply enemies of the state, Retired Colonel Rex Road, tasked with the conversion of the prison camp into a detention camp, was very proud of this plan. He was even quoted as saying, quote, So far, orders are for males only, but I'm sure women will be here, too. Probably whole families. Gotta love that red scare. <sighs> well, and you know what drives me nuts? I don't, I, I want to know why just communists when the Nazis were fascists. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what, what was the jump to communism? Like I, my brain hurts. Like when I, th- I know the historical reasoning behind it, but it's just like, yeah. can we look for the fascists first? Like we're still finding Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's, uh, anyway. So obviously, it has now become the Allenwood FPC, which stands for Federal Prison Complex. It started construction in 1956, had expansions in the 90s, and became one of the largest federal prison facilities in the United States. Congratulations <laughs> to us. So I guess we should be happy that it's still sort of being used and it wasn't totally a waste of money, but a beautiful town that had some gorgeous pictures in the early 1940s, you know, is now gone. Yeah. So that just breaks my heart. So why are we talking about this historical place, PJ? Well, because many believe it's haunted. As you said, your kids say, don't go there after dark. Why? Um, Because a lot of... According to them, occult happenings occur there. Um, people will find, like, evidence of campfires inside these bunkers and, like, all kinds of shady people, you know, are seen on the property at night. And Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and Bigfoot. Hey, it's in a book. Well, <laughs> I have some hauntings here. One is from phillyghosts.com. After all this information, it is no surprise that people would feel inclined to visit such a place of heartfelt devastation and destruction. Many of the bunkers are open and easy to access. Others are more hidden, but are still reachable. Just like other abandoned locations, these bunkers have had their fill of rambunctious teenagers graffitiing the place, as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, having parties, and in general, just making a mess. However... It has also caught the interest of less savory characters who have felt the need to not only draw pentagrams and the usual spiritual designs, but have also been inclined to cast their spells and whatnot. For example, Bunker 8, if you walk in it, it has Hail Satan sprayed painted on it with a pentagram with much detail painted just above it. When entering some of the bunkers, hikers and others of curious minds have found burned ashes and remnants of witchcraft. 
This alone can create an eerie feeling. Really? Who would have thought? <laughs> it's not how they found the corona of the cat skulls, just saying. Anyway, <laughs> visitors have also reported rustling sounds around them, as well as voices coming from inside the bunkers. They also mention they feel they are being watched. Yeah, I've heard stories of like shadow figures running around in the woods, things like that. It's Bigfoot. Big feet. Bigfoots. <laughs> Bigfoots. I think, I think it's probably Bigfoots. <laughs> we should look that up sometime. Anyway, others have mentioned hearing chanting even during the day. It's described almost as Gregorian chanting and there's no one around. Alexa, what's the plural of Bigfoot? The plural form of Bigfoot is Bigfeet or Bigfoots. It's both. Oh, okay. Look at that. Bigfeet or Bigfoots. All right. <laughs> well, now we know. Thanks, Alexa. She's always listening. You don't have to worry about looking for the commies or the fascists. No, they're always listening. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the story of the Gregorian chants is actually like, I think so creepy. Like these, this couple was just walking, you know, enjoying yeah. the scenery, not really thinking about the bunkers. They're just like walking in the woods by the bunkers. And they stopped and they're just like, do you hear that? Do, do you hear that? And you could hear like almost Gregorian chanting. And there's I, no I wonder churches. if it was just a bunch of kids chanting the halo theme. <laughs> they're practicing. They wanted to go in one of the bunkers. Bro, they, the acoustics yeah, in exactly. here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No. We don't need a high school bathroom anymore. <laughs> We're going to be so cool. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's also the voices of prisoners, even though there are no prisoners there currently. According to some people, prisoners were even buried on the lawn of the prison, since unmarked graves have their own hauntings. Because different locations, different prisoners that were keeping different mm. places. Because they would keep people locked in some of the bunkers if they were being naughty. So they, they, they hear the voices of these prisoners just like in the bunkers, but there's no one there. Wait, so they put prisoners in the bunkers? So when I was reading, I it sounded like, well, for, again, like I'm watching all these videos and doing all this research. Um, when the ordinance was running... Right? If people were mm -hmm. naughty, so they huh. weren't actually prisoners. Yeah. You know what? You're going in the bunker for the night. Bunker 51 for you. No! <laughs> but anyway, the scariest reports, as you mentioned, are the shadows that flit around inside the bunkers. While rare, there have been stories of visitors seeing shadows moving in and out of people's flashlights, along with moving objects. These would be pretty small if they come in and out of a flashlight. You shut up. <laughs> anyway. These encounters create feelings of oppression and an intense fear, not giggles. So the I'm feeling oppression and intense fear right now. <laughs> so the visitors leave the bunkers pretty quickly, as you can imagine. I'm going to leave this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, you'll feel, you'll feel safe? No. Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> well, was, On an unrelated note. This is a nice year. I have a food in the oven. <laughs> oh, look at my wrist. Time to go. Anyway, so I just like shadow figures too. Like that to me, like just seems demonic. Having witnessed my own shadow figure in this house, yeah. I'm good for a while. Now, one of the last things though, it'd be more like residual. So like, commonly people kind of mention like that kind of residual feeling. Mm -hmm. um, residual hauntings we know happen when there's negative energy. Um, considering there's much trauma and stress that came from the eviction of 400 people. The land already has as much of that energy. Um, and then having cult activity and spiritual practices occurring, that has added more energy. So the rustling and voices heard are most probably residual is what most people are thinking. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. None of it sounds like it's um, intelligent in any way or anything mm -hmm. like that. Most of it. Now, it's kind of interesting. When I was going over Reddit, I did find some examples of more intelligent haunts. Oh. Yeah. So um, there have been stories about that. According to some people on Reddit, they have collected EVPs of ghosts responding to them. Also, when asking entities to move items, it's actually occurred. I'm not sure if I would label that demonic or poltergeist or even mm -hmm. like that with that. But with the cult activity, there could definitely be examples of intelligent haunts, okay. obviously. Okay. Yeah. Now, the scariest thing to me would be the shadow people. That, they've, that have been encountered after having watched enough Skinwalker Ranch and then delving <laughs> into the history of shadow people. According to Native Americans, I've learned that these entities are really creepy with no discernible shapes. Um, so I learned a lot about shadow people. I did a lot of research on this. And and what's really cool is it connects then to Paris Sabrina's book, which I didn't realize until just now. But anyway, so... <laughs> I gotta um, finish that book. Usually, you only see shadow people in your peripheral vision, which makes them even creepy, right? It's like, yeah, like, right, you, you, yeah. Every time you look over there, it's gone. Um, but the most common reports from shadow people would be the feeling of intense dread and fear when you encounter them and your need to, like, leave that area as quick as you can. Yeah. 
Uh, like obviously here in the basement, I saw something and I was frozen like that, that mm-hmm. fear. And then I ran, got the crap out of there. And then, you know, we, Rhonda saw something when we were at the play. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, going along with all the different stories from Native Americans and from like Wiccan and all that kind of stuff, there is a common version of a shadow man. Okay. So the shadow man, people, they call it the hat man. Because mm. it seems like he's wearing a fedora or like a cowboy's hat. It made me think of the man in the blue suit that Sophie and I saw in the hallway upstairs. Because, you know, I know it wasn't a shadow person, but, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously he's wearing that a That was a full-fledged apparition. Yeah, I could see the blue suit and everything. But I definitely felt that intense fear, the need to run away, you know, all yeah. of that. Um, but in Paris Sabrina's book, she sees the hat man. Oh. That's why I was like, because I just finished that book yesterday. So... It's like, oh, the hat man popped up with her, too. But uh, Native Americans, like, they don't like talking about shadow people. They don't want to talk. Like, look at them. Remember that one episode from Skinwalker Ranch where they were doing the the powwow? They're playing the, the drums. Oh, yeah. And they saw a shadow person. Like, no, we need to leave in our religion. Yep. Like, this is bad. Yeah, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> so who was it? Dragon. He's just like, yeah, we want you guys to come back. So we'll get you out of here now. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that him? I think it was. Yeah, that sounds about right. So then going back to Reddit, I know we have some stories. Yes. So you go ahead and take it away. So this is from Nerdy Nord. What a good name. Love it. He sounds... Alliterative. Alliterative, yes. So I live near the ghost town of Elvira, PA. Back during World War II, the government claimed eminent domain and booted everyone out, built a munitions slash bomb factory, and fast forward to now, a chunk of the land was given back to the community as state game land, a portion of it hosts a federal prison. A bunch of it sits unused by the government. The game lands contain the remains of the town, just the foundations and wells at this point, and a bunch of, quote, bunkers. These bunkers are concrete, igloo-like structures with a big metal door on one side, once used to store explosives, now used for teens to get drunk and do drugs. Over time, they have become covered in dirt and plant growth, so you might mistake it for a hill if you don't see the door. There are local rumors that devil worshippers hang out in the in the game lands and have strange rituals in the in the woods and in some more out of the way bunkers. I never believe these stories because every town has a place with the devil worshipper rumors. But last year, my friend claimed it was true. He said his parents were hunting once and saw a group of people in robes around a fire chanting as a figure wearing a deer head mask stood in the center yeah that's (laughs) it sounds kind of like they're doing stuff out of skinwalker ranch you know like it sounds like they're trying to get a skinwalker going i mean it's it sounds like something out of a stupid movie too you know honestly reminds me of um heart of darkness a little bit oh yeah when they come up on the lake and they see that yeah Uh, that reminds me though, like my students in town, in the city of Williamsport at, in the backyard of a church, they saw a KKK meeting going on. They Mm. were, they filmed it and I saw the video. I'm not surprised. Like in the middle of the city, like in, you know, it was like midnight, but they had this big fire going and the rope, you know, the robes on and everything like wild. Absolutely wild. They should have gone to the bunkers. Yeah, right. More out of the way. No one would have filmed it then. <laughs> Maybe. Big feats might have. I'm going to say big feats now instead of just big, big feet or big foots. It's big feats. I like it. What about just Bigfoot for singular and plural, like fish? They're not a moose, no. Mm. Get back to your story. Okay. <laughs> so he also said that one time while he and his dad were hunting, he heard chanting or singing and saw smoke. This particular friend is a real straight shooter, and I wouldn't think him the type to make stuff up. So I'm tempted to believe him. Now for my own experience, he says. When I was in high school, myself and about five friends were all having an all-nighter at my house in the summer. Playing manhunt in the woods, shooting each other with airsoft guns, the usual. Oh, so nice. Miss those days. Well, I never used air uh, soft guns. We did play um, ha- uh, hide and seek at night, which I believe they call was that manhunt. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we never we just called it hide and seek at night. Anyway, <laughs> manhunt has slightly different rules, but essentially it's hide and seek. Yeah. Uh, at night, we all went out with flashlights in the woods because, of course, we did. The woods around my house are the same woods as the game lands, and there are only two properties between mine and the game lands. 
We saw an orange light through the woods, and I was pretty sure that there wasn't a house there. My friend said it was the devil worshippers, and started trying to freak us out. I didn't believe in them then, so and even if I did, I knew it wasn't that. But I played along to scare everyone else. <laughs> we went on a quest to find the devil worshippers. Of course they did! <laughs> and went towards the light. We left the path and began bushwhacking in the dark, now quite far from the house. We heard my neighbor's dog in the distance barking its head off, probably at us. <laughs> but then it got really intense and made a horrifying no noise that no dog should make, and it stopped. I've since oh. seen the dog, and so that, you know, it didn't die. Thank you, I had some questions. <laughs> we were a bit taken aback by the noise, so we all stopped and listened. In the dark, from just beyond the reach of our lights, we heard footsteps. Bipedal-sounding footsteps. Not a squirrel in the brush or a deer <laughs> crashing through the bushes, but a clear crunch, 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 crunch of the leaves. At this point, we all decided to head back. <laughs> hmm. It was Bigfoot. Yep. Bigfoot plural or Bigfoot singular? Bigfeets. Bigfeets plural or Bigfoot? <laughs> My friend and I wanted to keep going, but we didn't want to do it alone, so we conceded. We were all sleeping in the guest apartment over the garage, which is a separate building from the house, and it has one of those 70s accordion-style doors halfway up the stairs, separating the upstairs area from the hallway and bathroom downstairs. Later that night, well after midnight, when we were settled in and starting to doze off, those of us who were still awake heard something brushing against the door from the outside. It was a flimsy plastic linoleum thing, so it was moving as something bumped it. You're welcome. And we could hear the noise clearly. Yeah, those accordion doors, like, yeah, I don't like them they're all. noisy. They're, I hate them. Yeah. Picture the sound of um, shades, like window shades. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Thank That's you. It. That's all I got. I'm just <laughs> never good at sound making. <laughs> Big feats. <laughs> that, yep. <laughs> there it is. I gathered up the courage to say out loud, does anyone else hear something bumping against the door? I get a few shaky guesses from around the room. Is anyone going to get up and check it out? <laughs> Several nopes from the others. <laughs> and I sure as hell wasn't going to do it. It went away after a few moments and we eventually fell asleep somehow. <laughs> oh, kids. It's like the Megatron attack story <laughs> of your childhood. Oh, Lord. So I wanted to go back and kind of like touch base on the shadow people again, because that's the Alvaro bunkers, you know, the possibility. And there have been people who have seen Bigfoot. And I know Penny had mentioned when she went to the paranormal cons and the Bigfoot festival and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff that um, people actually wrote like their books. They have stories about seeing Bigfoot over at the bunkers. So I'm not negating the crunch, crunch, crunch bipedal sound that could definitely be Bigfoot. All right, whatever. Um, I think they're implying um, it was cultists, though. Maybe. But maybe Bigfoot got involved in the occult? We don't know. Mm. Gosh. Anyway. So, um... <laughs> Bigfoot. Bigfoot in a, <laughs> in a robe. <laughs> I, could, I could see it. <laughs> Jeez. It's my next novel. Anyway. Um, that's my next Halloween costume. Figure it out. <laughs> Thanks, PJ. Uh, but like the whole shadow people, like I, I could see that happening because you have the occult happening out there. And again, people going up there just to be kind of funny. Like people do that, like, you know, asylums we mentioned before, like people just making a mess of things and they really shouldn't graffitiing. Mm -hmm. But like, as I always say, when you mess with it, even though you think you're not really, you know, doing anything, if you walk in mud, you're still going to be trailing mud home. You know what I mean? Like, so even if yeah, you think you're yeah. not, you're joking around, you're really not. So I could totally see the shadow people thing that's happening up there. Which led me to psychologytoday.com because this website, you know, is run by therapists and psychologists. And so you think they wouldn't talk about shadow people and things that you <laughs> aren't real, you know, because mm -hmm. they're PhDs. And this, this uh, article is written by Catherine Ramsland, PhD. Just What's that last name? Ramsland. Oh, okay. Isn't that fun to say? Ramsland. I thought there were more syllables in there. Ramsland, ring, ring, ding, ding. No, anyway. But the article is called Shadow People. Our cultural neglect of gin lore shields us from its psychological benefits. You think, how does it go That's together? That's a title. I know. But it does. You heard the word gin in there, right? Yeah, I'm very excited. Or now. as some people might pronounce, de gin. Or as most people in America know it, genie. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So she writes, I first heard about, quote, shadow people years ago when I was writing a travel feature about a Han place in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Hi. Yep. I came across the story of a house in which the female resident claimed to have seen dark shadows shaped like humans. Not only that, they were aggressive. They sometimes knocked things over and slammed doors. She felt threatened. This report diverged from the typical ghost sightings I'd heard before, so I was intrigued. But I didn't often see tales like it. When I met Rosemarie Ellen Guiley, one of the leading experts on the paranormal today, I asked her about these shadow people. She told me she was working on a book that identified them as a category of creature called the djinn. We know them as <gasps> genies, but that's a limited portrait. In fact, awareness of the djinn Western cultures is pretty spare, to yeah. our detriment. Mm -hmm. Now, just a reminder... Rosemary is the person who wrote with Kevin Paul, the first Haunted That's Hollows. That's why the name is familiar. Yeah, but she passed away suddenly, so he did Haunted Hollows 2 by himself. Rosemary had published over 50 books on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics in Head's Visionary Living Incorporated. She's been working pretty much full-time in the paranormal realm since 1983 as a researcher, investigator, journalist, and speaker. You can ask her about anything from angels to demons. So... The uh, PhD expert here asks her about gins. And so I thought some of her answers were kind of cool, which is what we're going to finish up today is the gin versus shadow people. All so right. we have Native American spin. We run away from them. But here was Rosemarie Guiley's discussion. So there was a question uh, uh, asked by Ramsland. You are known for books about angels, demons, vampires, witches, and the like. What drew you to the gin as a subject? And Rosemarie Ellen Guiley said, There were two major avenues, both involving shadow people, dark and menacing humanoids, I had been researching since 2004. I already knew a bit about the djinn from earlier research in demonology. I noticed that many cases of persistent negative hauntings involved shadow people, so I began probing for their true identity. I discovered that many shadow people experiencers are also ET experiencers, especially abductees. Through a long process, I concluded that shadow people are a shape-shifted form taken by jinn. Therefore, there is a profound connection between jinn and bad hauntings and ET abductions. Furthermore, the footprints of the jinn are evident throughout our mythologies about ancient aliens and gods. The picture that emerged is of a major jinn involvement in all of our entity contact experiences throughout history. So, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's <laughs> aliens. <laughs> So I just thought it was kind of cool to see that answer because, you know, she mentions like the idea of this connection then to, to aliens. Yeah. But um, another question that Ramsland mentioned, she said, as I look through your book and website, the Jinn typology reminds me a lot of the medieval angel typologies. Do they have common origins? So Rosemary responded by saying, no, in early Arabian lore, the Jinn originated out of the winds. The Quran says they were created by Allah out of smokeless fire and that the angels out of pure out of a pure spiritual light. We perceive angels, jinn, fairies, demons, ETs, and even Bigfoot as having human-like hierarchies and social structures, but whether they really do or this is a human projection is not certain. So they are separate from everyone else. Any comments on that? I mean, I've heard a lot of that before. Like, I've read a lot of novels and other books and things about jinn, so... But it's interesting to hear someone like write it you know officially well and like i really hold that they're shadow people but and i don't really want to see them as jinn because like I, I mean not that i don't know much about jinn but like they seem demonic to me you know yeah, like a shadow person is yeah. very hard to it's very difficult to get rid of them and i don't know like i just i see like the clergy as being needed for that but i wouldn't see a clergy coming in for a jinn you know yeah well it's just another name for it too in my opinion you know yeah. like you know, well, but, we say demon, they say jinn. Like, we're talking about the same thing, though. Mm -hmm. Just like Muslims say Allah and Christians say God is the same person. Yeah. You know? Well, and what's interesting is Ramsland then asks, One thing I noticed about the jinn, as you describe them, is that they appear to be highly adept shapeshifters. In that case, can we actually recognize an entity like this in our midst? So almost like mm -hmm. that connection towards the demonic. And Guiley said, supposedly there are giveaway signs. In old gin lore, they could not duplicate 100% of a human body. And usually their animal-like hairy legs and feet gave them away. I have speculated that shadow people wear hats and cows to cover up imperfect heads. 
So maybe that's where the hat man comes from. He has mm. to wear a hat because his head looks funky. Some experiencers say the eyes of the human-shaped jinn will shift to odd colors or reptilian appearance. I believe the jinn and other shapeshifters are among us every day, and we never know unless we have our, we have certain experiences with them. The lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan, says he saw a reptilian. Oh, no. Yeah. He Oof. said he'll never share that story other than the fact that he saw it, but yeah. Well, and, you know, looking at some of her answers here, because she's done so much, she done so much research on the gin, you know, it, it sounds demonic, you know, because she says uh, their motives include curiosity, infatuation, obsession, playfulness, uh, trickiness, hostility, and malevolence, which are all typical demonic, you know, connections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then she said some people feel gin are benevolent and helpful, but if they are, it's always for a price. So, again, definitely sounds like a demon. Right. Yeah. So, again, it's just kind of interesting to see that that connection here because we don't know. And even though um, Guiley ends up by saying we only see the tip of the iceberg, you know, we don't yeah. know. So is a djinn a demon? We don't know. Mm -hmm. Is a djinn an alien? I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's probably <laughs> aliens. Isn't it weird how, like, now that UFOs are a real thing in this world, that aliens have to be a real theory that we have to posit now mm -hmm. you know where two years ago ufos were i mean sure most people knew they were real anyways but now it's confirmed you yeah. know so it's just such a different thought process you have to take on everything now it was really funny um earlier this year in my class one of my eighth graders was talking about aliens and I, and I forget how the conversation like started, but the question was, do you believe in aliens? And I looked at them and I go, yes. What do you mean? That's just silly, Mrs. Hayden. I go, it's confirmed by the U.S. government. I don't understand. Well, aliens aren't. Well, oh, unidentified flying. UFOs so, are confirmed. And they had asked about UFOs. Yeah. And so I said, like, you know, these are confirmed. They go, are you serious? They thought that was just a joke. I'm like, no. And so it was like, this is like a, a small group of kids. And the rest of the class is like, yeah, like, where were you? Yeah. And so me being me goes, I go, aliens. <laughs> and everyone starts laughing. But. I wonder if the government was surprised that, because like, I really thought that if they would come out and confirm that UFOs are real, that you'd think it would cause a pretty big stir in our culture. But everyone's like, oh, okay. And moved no, on. I, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Quote Loki. Oh, yes. Very sad. Um, I think we're just too exhausted. Like, yeah. that's. Well, I, and also, I think people are just like, yeah, and grass is green. What <laughs> what else you got for us? <laughs> it's like fighting the office one thing at a time. One thing at a time. <laughs> Jim's a vampire. We'll take care of that later. <laughs> um, so, I don't again, like back with the bonkers, you know. Um, to bring this all together, like, you know, why are we discussing Jen? Because maybe, you know, if there uh -huh. is that connection, we already have the, the connection with Bigfoot being there. We know that through our research that Bigfoot tends to be seen and is believed by the Native American people, especially in our area. But they see him in Swampland because to them, the water is their conduit to go to their their world. Mm. And they just kind of step into ours. So maybe with this place, with all the negative and different energies going around, maybe it is a Jen. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, I just thought it was kind of cool to see that there was an article on psychology today written by Catherine Ramsland, PhD, and she's a professor of forensic psychology at DeSalle University. And she's authored 69 books. Have there been any sightings of a bipedal flying goat monster by chance? No. So one thing that everyone <laughs> confirms they did not see. Yeah. It's crazy. It's weird. You know, I went on Timu to look up fun things to buy, um, you know, for for Christmas and whatnot. And I typed in Jersey Devil to see if there was. No, absolutely nothing. No one believes he's well, real. That's just horrible. <laughs> it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. Because <laughs> it's not real. Well, guess what? Amazon has things. So <laughs> you're, you and your Timu. Can just see yourselves out. Hey, I just bought a whole bag of stuff for $13. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Best deal of my life. All right. Anyway. Timu pay us for this advertisement. <laughs> it did not. We do it for free. No, I'm saying Timu, you need to pay us for oh. this advertisement. <laughs> but not anybody else. Kevin Paul, you get a freebie. Sabrina, you get a freebie. Yeah. Uh, and Timu, you also... <laughs> you're, you're paying up. 
Craven and Cass are Maggie's casket always free. We love you. <laughs> but Timu. But Timu. Or you can just give me credit, like a $5 credit. We, we want that orange me, credit right there. If you give me $5 credit, I, I, could, I could buy everything. <laughs> I can own the whole store. <laughs> oh my gosh, we need to stop before we get too silly. So anyway, thank you once again to all of our Wait, listeners. this isn't a silly podcast? Oh my gosh. Once again, this is supposed to be a spooky podcast. Uh, on a serious note, thank you to all of our listeners um, who, and across the entire world who have made this such a great, such a great year. I, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I know we're going to hit 10K by the, by this time next week, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. And we'll be at our anniversary of when we had the thing destroy our bedroom. Yeah. On a Halloween party next week. Yeah. Oh, look at all the memories. The They're memories. just popping up right now. But anyway, if you have any comments, any stories about the Elvira Bunka, Bunk, Bunkas. The Bunkas. Can you tell I'm tired? The Elvira Bunkas. I'm from New Hampshire. My accent comes out sometimes. Um, if you have any stories about the Elvira Bunkers, please message us. If you have I any would... stories at all. All the stories. Message us. As I like to say, as I plan for next year, I already have a whole list of things over here behind myself. I have a list of things, too, but she won't let me talk about them. Go back to your own podcast. Go on, get. Excuse me. <laughs> I helped make this. I named this podcast. No, you didn't. I did. No, I did. I did. I did. Yes, no, I did. It's in the episode. Go back to the first episode. Okay, I'm the person who titled it with uh, the no space you... between well and house. <laughs> so that... Yeah, you you took out a space. I made all the logos. You created the word wellhouse as one yes, word. Yes, I did. <laughs> I I have perfected this website. Shut up. Anyway. Oh my goodness. Let's just finish before. <laughs> I would love to hear your stories, listeners, so we can get you on here and have you tell some personal stories. So I don't have to tell my stories. Yeah, so PJ's not in charge. Pacwa PJ does an okay job on uh, Amityville was great. Anyway, so <laughs> we would love to have you on. I would love to do like a mini series where it's just like locals telling their ghost stories. That would be cool. I think that'd be, it's just fun to hear real people's stories, you know, and like, because I already talked to our one friend, Jackie. She is all yes for this. So mm-hmm. she wants to come or Zoom and she wants to tell her story of the house they no longer live in, but actually made TV. So please message us again on Facebook, Games Overboard. You'll find us. Our logo is blue with neon. I made that logo too. Yeah. If you go to gamesoverboard.com, there's a link to our Facebook right there. There's a mm-hmm. link to our YouTube right there too. You know, you can email us through the website, uh, through Facebook. You can send us a message. Lots of different ways to get a hold of us. And we're not kidding. We like to talk to people. We absolutely love it. Like, because we never know what you like, what you don't like. It's a guessing game all I the time. I go on Acast and I see what people are listening to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's our that's our best uh, way of looking at have. it. Yeah, like, asylums. Thing. People like asylums. When Jackie said, how many asylums you got there? Oh, I got more. Yeah, we... <laughs> Got we, more to talk about. We have all the asylums. <laughs> all the asylums. Oh, boy. So anyway, have a lovely week, everybody. Yeah. Please and share the word. Help yep. our podcast grow even more. If, you, if you're if you in Williamsport, you get to see me on a billboard, billboard again. So you On see Market me. Street. Yep. I'm on Electronic One, I guess, right? Yeah, right, out, the right off the Market Street Bridge. So you get to see me. So enjoy that. <laughs> um, but as always, think spooky thoughts. Look at me, look at me. I am the cat.